Greetings and welcome to The Remote Real Estate Investor. My name is Tom Schneider and I'm joined today by... Emil Shore. And Michael Albaum. And today we've got a, a fun episode. So there's lots of content out there that talks about how to become a millionaire and you know how to become rich with real estate. And in today's episode, we're going to go through some specifics year by year uh, to meeting some specific goals. So both uh, Emil, Michael, and myself, I guess all three of us, are going to come up with some scenarios. And we're going to use this tool from Roofstuck Academy to see how long it takes to meet our goals. All right, let's do it. Emil and Michael, what is going on? Hey, guys. Not too much. I'm just uh, getting ready to take off in my van again. We had some solar issues. We were on the road for a week, so we came back to home base to get those squared away. So got brand new solar installed, brand new batteries, did some plumbing customizations, and ready to rip and roar in the next couple of days. So we're stoked. Very cool. Emil, what's going on? You know, following Michael really sucks because uh, I'm just <laughs> a guy living in his home, just doing normal, boring stuff every week. So, uh, Michael, I'm just going to vicariously live through you and your van. Uh, but no, everything's good. N- nothing <laughs> crazy going on. Um, yeah, just happy it's it's summer. The water's warming up, so it's been it's been more fun to go surfing in the morning. Don't have to wear booties. Feet don't get cold, so that's been nice. Nice, nice, nice. I'm. Uh, Let's get with you, Tom. How how comes the construction on the house and the refinances? Uh, it's coming. Oh, closing on the refis on Thursday, which is exciting. Um, so some, yeah. Awesome. Some ammunition for some acquisitions. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, and the construction is cruising along, almost done. It, it's like stop and go. You know, like there's like certain dependencies on certain parts of the project, and it takes a while to get done, and then a bunch of stuff gets done, and then it kind of goes back to a little bit of a halt, but. Uh, fingers crossed we're moving some things back into the kitchen uh, over the holiday weekend that is coming up. So uh, fingers crossed. Awesome, guys. So we got a, a fun episode. This is also going to be on YouTube, and I encourage you to check our YouTube station out. Just search Roofstock. What we have here is we have this tool uh, that was built within Roofstock Academy. It's not an overcomplicated model that just goes year by year. And what it does is you take some baseline assumptions of uh, your investment kind of buy box, right? On what type of returns you're getting, what is the cost? And then you extrapolate that over years. And what the model does is it assumes that you're reinvesting all of the cash flow that you're collecting into your acquisitions into the following year. So that way, you know, when you're buying into year two, you're using the income from year one. When you're into year three, using the income from year two, uh, the model accounts for uh, a little bit of rental appreciation. What the model does not account for, which is uh, a benefit in real life, and perhaps we'll work this into the model at some point, is doing ten, uh, doing ten thirty one exchanges or cash out refi. So you know there is ability to move a little bit faster when you're having some appreciation. Uh, Emil and Michael, before we get into the specific examples, go ahead. I was going to say, I just wanted to take a moment to pause here and highlight and talk about one of the benefits of real estate that totally took me, uh, I had an aha moment when I realized it. So you just said that the income from year one is going to go into acquisitions from year two. So what that actually means is that you're getting paid every single year for the work that you did previously. So if you have a W-2 job or self-employed, are you going to get paid next year for the work you do this year? Probably not. Real estate 
totally doesn't work that way. So all the work and hard, you know, uh, grit that you're putting in right now is going to pay you year after year after year. And it should actually increase over time. So you get to give yourself raises, hopefully every single year for work that you did today or yesterday, or you're going to do this year. So stop and let that sink in for a minute. It totally blew my mind when it, it kind of slapped me upside the head. Yeah. And your cost basis is like pretty much effectively flat. I mean, there might be some increases in property taxes. Yep. All right, guys. So before we jump into our specific examples that we're going to come up with uh, to determine how long it takes to reach our goals, I'd love to hear both you guys just a little bit of input on uh, the model and thoughts, all that good stuff. So Michael, why don't you go ahead and go first? Yeah. So I think it's really important to model out and forecast what your portfolio might look like going down the road based on your current day assumptions and goals. And working backwards is so important, I think, in real estate because it dictates and helps us define what makes an ideal investment for you or for a meal or you know, for, for yourself as an individual investor. So the three of us might have very different investing end goals. And so that is then going to determine that we are likely going to be purchasing different types of properties along the way to our end goal. So this is a tool that allows you to do that and really reverse engineer, okay, what types of returns should I be targeting? Where should my cash flow assumptions and targets be such so that I can get to my goal at a desired time frame? Uh, and again, putting a goal that's time bound, I think is really important. We talk a lot about in the academy using the acronym SMART and the, the T in SMART stands for timely uh, or time bound. And so being able to measure that and see how you're doing against your goal and from a time perspective, I think is really, really critical. Love it. Emil? Totally agree with what Michael said. I, I will... Uh, be blatantly honest, I have actually never gone through this exercise, but I love it. I think it's uh, a, a good way to kind of just see like, what are you in for, right? Is is your goal, let's say, I know so many real estate investors who are looking for cash flow. A lot of the, the goal posts is how do I get to 100K per year? Basically, like, how does your your passive income replace your job, take care of all your expenses, things like that. So it's, it's, I think it's cool to at least have a, a goal post and be like, all right, if it, if I invest this amount per year, it'll take me 12 years. Well, what if I accelerate that? What if I go earn more? What if I, um, am, yeah, able to save more, generate more cash flow? What if instead of a 7% return, what if I can generate a 10% return on all the properties I buy? How does that change all these assumptions? So I've never done this, but I think it is such an insanely valuable exercise to do. Uh, I'm hoping that us just doing it right here is going to give me a much better picture of, of what my goalposts will look like. Awesome. Goalposts. All right. So let's jump into it. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and go first. And uh, since I'm going first, I'll define the rules for myself. So my goal in this little game, this little model is to get to $100,000 of passive income. The rules are in the first five years, I cannot exceed adding an additional $25,000 a year. And practically speaking, that means basically throughout the year, I can save uh, roughly 2000 bucks a year to go to, um, to buying real estate. And in this model, I'm also going to use the cash uh, from my rental from the previous year to do an ac new acquisitions. What I'm going to do to increase my buying power is in year five, I'm going to increase that to not exceed 
$50,000 a year. It's a, it's a bigger jump, but I am just kind of curious to model that out. So, okay. So I'm looking at the sheet right now, which um, on YouTube, you can see it here. Uh, I have my acquisitions that I cannot exceed 25 the first year. So uh, I'm starting with 50 was, you know, let's, yeah, well, let's make it 25. We'll start with 25 just to be uh, consistent with this little exercise in year five. Um, so that's five single acquisitions at um, with a down five of them, 25% down of $100,000 for the first five years, first five years. Um, that's one house each year for five years. And that gets me to a cash flow of $15,000. So still uh, quite a bit away to get there. Uh, starting in year five, I'm going to increase my cash that I can put in, which is this red number here, up to $50,000. So this example, I'm going to move this up to two, two. By year six, I'm up to 31000 oh, Exceeded it. Tom, can you highlight uh, where you're looking at your cash flow yearly number? Yep. So my cash flow year, yearly number is down here, which is portfolio levered income. And my new acquisitions for that year is this row, row 22 that's going across. And my acquisition cost is this row 23, but the down payment is this row 24, is this red number. And this red number is just taking off, taking out your cash flow from the previous year to be applied to your new acquisitions. So year five, I'm bu now buying two houses a year with a cash flow of 18,000. Um, let's see. And by year seven, oh, not quite yet. I, year seven, I thought I could move up to three houses a year or three units. This also could be used for multifamily, um, but it actually be year eight. I can move up to three houses per year. And by year 10, I'm at 60,000, just, just below 60,000 of passive income at three houses, three houses or three units. And then year 11, that takes me to four. So the red, Tom, just to clarify, that is the amount out of pocket you're putting. So you're using some cash flow, and then the red amount is how much am I coming out of additional savings from work or whatever to be able to buy the number of additional homes you have there. Exactly. And so here we are based on these constraints in year 14 is where I hit that my magic number of $100,000 of passive income a year based on these assumptions up here. So that's 37 total units. Um, that is a total sum of assets owned uh, a little bit under $4 million. Um, and that would make for $113,000 a year. So those are my assumptions. My, uh, I ended up in year 14. So um, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Tom, a couple quick questions. Before you, before you take over, Michael, a couple cool questions here. What, uh, what is your assumption for a cash flow? Can you fill in our viewers on that one? Yep, you got it. So cash flow, you know, there's a lot. Cash flow is, is, is basically, you know, what you're walking away of, of profit at the end of the day after you collect rent and pay all your expenses. And we use just a blanket um, number for cash flow at a $250 per month um, at the end of the day. So, you know, there's a lot of um, variables that are not implicit within the model, like 
what the rent is, what the repairs and maintenance are, what the property management costs. But within this model, what it does is it just it it just comes out on the other side of what that number that that actual number is. It sort of peanut butter spreads your uh, portfolio. So if I wanted to be you know more conser- conservative, I could take this down to two hundred dollars a year, and you know, and that takes for just below a ten percent yield uh, of cash on cash, uh, which I feel comfortable in, in being able to achieve. Um, so yeah, it, it's just a, a straight number that you're plugging in at a monthly basis on what that cash flow is going to be. Can you go back to two hundred? I'm curious how the how your model changes if you do a ten percent, just under ten percent cash on cash return assumption yeah. versus the twelve you add. So it only takes pushes it out a year, an additional year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I'm gonna okay. That's good to see. That's that. interesting. Well, actually, no, it put, I think it pushes it out. It might push it out two years. So year 16 now is okay. is that year. So it pushes it out two years by changing that assumption. I think it's better in general, speaking, to be more conservative with those assumptions. But um, what I did there is since I changed the these you know key assumptions at the top, it changed all the cash flow that runs through each year. So each year there's less you know income. And right. what, when I moved it down... There wasn't enough income from the previous year for one of the years I had to, I missed an acquisition and that kind of cascaded down year and year and year, um, which pushed me out, I think, to two, two additional years to get that $100,000 goal to year 16 here. Nice. It's, it's at least interesting to see like a two and a half percent swing in cash on cash. Like it doesn't have an insanely dramatic change on getting to your 100K mark. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as we said, like this model, like, you know, it doesn't include cash out refis. It doesn't include um, like 1031 exchanges. It also doesn't include the the tax benefits that you're having here. So um, there's I think it's really helpful and kind of directionally and thinking about acquisitions that you need to make based on some return assumptions on where you want to go. But it is there are some benefits that this doesn't even necessarily account for. Yeah, great point. So Tom, why don't we walk through a scenario where maybe somebody is starting from a stronger position with a bit more capital and they're actually able to make all cash purchases. So let's just assume that somebody's got a, you know, a a very high paying job or is able to start from a a really strong capital position and they're going to make one purchase a year. Let's just say one purchase a year. How many years does it take to hit your cash flow goal of $100,000? So if we change this model, we won out the first couple of years. Um, and let's just see for $100,000 purchases at a 7.8% return from a cash on cash perspective, how many years does it take to hit $100,000? So it looks like in year five, we're almost at 40,000. No, let's actually, let's one it out. Let's just say if you made one purchase every single year, independent of cash flow from the years prior, yep. how long does it take you? On it. And so it looks like we crossed the $100,000 threshold at year 13 with 13 properties. Which is, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And then the following year, that single purchase is is being made on its own, on its by, own. The, by the $100,000 that is in place. Yeah. yeah. So 13 years. 13 years, 13 houses to $100,000. At an average purchase price of 100 grand, at an average return of 7.8 percent. So, another way to piece this together. That's cool. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I've never done the, this model this this way, and uh, 
I don't know, 13 years kind of goes by kind of quick. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tremendous amount to pay each year, you know, in buying in all cash. But let's do one more scenario then here. Let's do, I, I like Michael's, you have a, a little bit more cash to work with, right? You have a high paying job. Maybe you have a side business or you have a full-time business, whatever. You're able to just generate basically 100K out of pocket every year. But what if instead of you're doing all cash, what if we go back to the 25% down model, but you have more money here? Let's see how quickly we can get there. Mm. All right. So I'm, so I'm going to pay change this to two, 250. Getting the cash down 25K again. 12%. Let's, let's go 200. Let's go a little more conservative than 12% cash on cash. I like it, Emil. Just under 10%. Okay. So how much money do we have each year to spend? We have a hundred K to spend out of pocket. Love it. Cause maybe someone All is, right, so you're one. is thinking about selling off some equities because they've done really well in this in this run up market and now they're wanting to transition it over to real estate. Yep. So by year five, you're already at fifty three thousand. And then your first okay. three years you're at four houses or units, and then extra at five, and then it gets to a point where every year you're adding, yeah, it, we hit it. <laughs> Or a year almost six, you can just start adding. Yeah. Yeah. Six. It's just seven, eight, nine. There, there you go. go. So you hit it by basically by year eight. Yeah. You're at 99,914. Yeah. Okay. What about, let's do this again, but you only have uh, 50K, right? So you're, you're in the middle of our first example and the most recent example. You can put 50K out of pocket. How long will that take? So we're in year five. We're at, we're still doing two acquisitions per year. Okay. I'm going to give us a little bit of year six, an extra 700 bucks. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So year eight, you're still at, uh, let's see, by year 10, you're up to four acquisitions per year. And then year 13, five acquisitions. Year 12, year 12 you could squeeze in another. Yeah. Oh, year 12. We'll give ourselves yeah, try a year more. 12. Yeah, year 13, year 14. That's kind of a magic number in doing this exercise. It's hit year 13 um, twice now. Yeah. Interesting. Why would it be the same amount of time as your first? Is it because I took a lower uh, cash flow per house of 200 versus 250? Possibly. I, I mean, you're one. putting a lot less money forward, right? So like, you know... It, like in this example, you know, they're both through year 13, but this one, you're only spending $50,000 a year. Yeah. I think your total, your total in your example, you were doing 25 K or less. Yeah. So like in the, in the all cash model at this point in time, we had spent 1.3 million in cash to generate a hundred thousand dollars in income and a meal. In this example, you spent 533, 533,000 and you're generating a hundred thousand dollars. I don't remember Tom, what was what was yours? Yours must have been less because you're getting a better return. Right. Yeah. So again, I mean, I think- That's what I was wondering. Why was Tom able to hit the same amount in year 13? But I guess it was because that extra- 50 bucks. 12% cash on cash versus a 9.6. Yeah, right. exactly. And so this is okay. like a perfect example of how this model works based on all the different assumptions and inputs. And I think it's so cool that we are finding you know fairly similar conclusions based on the different ways to get there. And so building this out for yourself or, you know, checking out the Roofstock Academy and, and using this model exactly will give you an idea of, okay, how do I get there? 
what's the most efficient way to get there uh, and what's going to work for me. Because again, depending on where you're starting from and where you're trying to go, you're going to have a very different path than, than somebody else who's maybe has the same end goal, but starting from a different point. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's flexible. I mean, everyone's path is unique and, uh, I don't know, could be a bumper year for whatever reason, you have some extra money. And instead of having that limitation of 20,000 or 10,000 or whatever, that number of, of how much extra cash you put in, perhaps that year you could have a hundred thousand. And like, if you do that, it, 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 it plays a major difference of, of being able to hit that goal earlier. Plus every year that you're gaining, you're acquiring more properties, you have more deductions, you have more depreciation you can take, meaning more money in your pocket at the end of the year. Right? A couple of years ago, the switch finally happened where instead of paying taxes at the end of the year, I started getting refunds because of all the awesome depreciation we were taking. So that also puts more money in your pocket that you can keep steamrolling into acquisitions. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, this model only takes into account the appreciation side of things uh, in terms of value and then also the cash flow side of things. When in reality, real estate generates wealth in four different capacities. One is the cash flow, one is the appreciation, the other is via loan paydown or leverage because you're actually buying equity every single month in the property, or rather your tenants are buying you equity in the property every single month. And the last is tax benefits. And tax benefits are just really squirrely to nail down because based on what tax bracket you're in and where you live and how much income you earn versus active, passive, I mean, all these things can change how the tax benefits are going to likely help your tax situation. So definitely chat with a tax professional about looking to nail that number down to get an idea of how they might help you as an individual. But also keep in mind that, hey, there are, the return goes beyond the cash flow and the expected appreciation. There are all these other things that to add on and incorporate into that return as you're calculating it. So your you know, 9.6% cash on cash is likely going to be a whole lot better when you factor in those other, those other factors. Factor in those other factors. Don't use the word in the definition. Uh, but then also, I think this is a great depiction of real estate is not a get rich quick scheme. This is not. Sorry, an sorry guys, I need, to, I need to step out for a minute. Yeah. Real estate is not a get rich quick scheme. It's not an overnight success scheme. This is a 13 year plan to generating $100,000 in passive income. And so a lot of people might be hearing that or seeing this and thinking, oh, 13 years, that's way too long. But do you have a 13 year plan? Do you have a plan that'll make you $100,000 passively in sooner than that? If so, awesome, like run with that, uh, but also make sure that it's a legitimate plan. I think real estate is one of those things. It's a slow burn. And then as you go further and further down in time, you see those returns start to take off semi-exponentially. And so just be thinking about that and be long-term greedy, like Tom always says. That's right. Get rich slow. Get rich slow. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for watching. If you're on YouTube, Hope this was helpful. Uh, again, this is available at the Rustock Academy for those members that are enrolling. Uh, come check us out at roostockacademy.com. If you, that's not a good fit for you, definitely I'd recommend either looking up a model that exists or making your own model because again, these are really, really powerful tools to help you forecast and reverse engineer what type of properties you need to be purchasing or looking to purchase. So with that, let's get out of here and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing.